Um, but before we get to that, as we continue in our message on worship, the title that I was given, and I'm going to read it here, is The Dance and Music of Praise. And if you notice, the architect that, uh, that who put this series together is not here this morning. He's probably off somewhere dr- driving home laughing at the little joke that he pulled off, giving me the dance and music of praise. Um, I had thought of maybe, you know, uh, we as a church could work on some dance moves. But being I'm probably the most, um, like I'm still trying to figure out if it's possible to clap through a whole song in rhythm and sing at the same time. So I probably won't try to lead us in any dance moves. So we'll try to incorporate what dance could look like um, and music in the grander scheme of worship. Um, And if you also notice, who else isn't here? Uh, My wife isn't here. She saw that title. She immediately got on the phone, called her friends, and they went out to Pennsylvania for the weekend because she was not going to be here. (laughs) I think they had it planned before, but... Anyway, um, it has been a difficult title, but we'll try to dive in and we'll see, we'll allow the Holy Spirit to take the lead and, uh, and touch our lives. Uh, but before we get into the scriptures, I had to, uh, I thought I needed to take some time to go over my qualifications for this message. Um, when I was in the eighth grade, my dreams of becoming a worship leader were dashed. Um, I had to, at, there was this Christian school that's between the 241 and the 201, it's in between there somewhere, a nice really conservative school. Uh, we had to sing a solo, and we had to sing a solo from a song that we thought no one might know. Um, and uh, just to put it kindly, I grew up in a household that did not put much value in music, and the only band that I knew that might have some songs that uh, everyone else might not know was Johnny and Lee. I don't know how many of you know Johnny and Lee, but I picked a song from there, and uh, I think it's, if I remember right, it's a song that uh, I'm not going to sing it, but it went, uh, Satan's Jewel Crown, I've worn it so long, and then it has some nice twangs to it, and, uh, but now by God's grace I'm set free. God bless me in my eighth grade courage. I went up there and I tried my best. Um, but the kind teacher after, the, uh, after I went up there walked up solemnly and said, well, because he sang it in a monologue, I don't think we can learn this new song. And that dashed my dreams of being a worship leader. In fact, if you know my personality, that made me hate every worship leader since then, since I met Tim, of course. But, uh, uh, but so now I... Now I have an appreciation for worship leaders. Uh, so that shut my music career down. Um, but then in, I think I was maybe 19 or 20, uh, 21 or so, I was at Gospel Haven, and they had a, a choir come in the evening and sing a choir. And uh, I, hope, I hope my wife is watching as she's driving home or wherever she is. I'm sort of looking at the camera in case she is. Then all of a sudden, out of that choir came this beautiful girl, and she had a special singing part. And after the service, she talked with me. And 16 years later, 
there are three kids running around Walnut Creek, and even crazier than that, there's a pitch pipe in our house, something I thought I would never have. I've blown that thing a hundred times, and I kid you not, one time I hit it. I could tell I was on tune. One time! She can hit it every time. I hit it once out of a hundred. And uh, I'm not sure where it is. I just know I have a pitch pipe in the house. So those are my qualifications for a message titled The Dance and Music of Praise. So this is my hobby horse sermon. Uh, one that I just want to go back to all the time. Uh, then I wrote the question down, how do I take my qualifications and transition into the message? Watch. I'm going to read a quote here from Mark Twain. I on profanity. I think that will be the greatest way to transition into a worship service. Mark Twain had a bad habit of spicing his, lang- his conversation with profanity. Twain's wife, a refined woman, often became very upset by his rough language. She tried in many ways to cure him of the habit, always unsuccessfully, of course. On one occasion, she tried the shock technique. When Twain arrived at home from a trip, he was greeted at the door with a string of profanity from his wife. From the lips of that refined woman, he heard everything he had ever said and more. Twain stood silently, listening until she had finished. Then he said, My dear, you have the words, but not the music. That's a perfect transition. Often as we come into church, as we have our devotions, our prayer time, that, that moment where we come into, the pre, well, in, into a special intimacy with Christ uh, or of, with God in worship, we often have the words, but we don't have the music. We don't, our, our spirit isn't crying out uh, to bring God the worship that he deserves. And so that's sort of what we want to look at this morning is I want to build off a little bit off of Tim's sermon from last Sunday of what is worship, and then specifically... What is worship through music, through dance, and through uh, instruments? So song, instruments, and dance. Uh, so building on last week's message, Tim had that worship, or had brought out that worship is the activity of glorifying God in his presence. Worship, the word worship comes from the, our word worship comes from the old English, um, from the word worth-ship. Uh, and it literally means, so worship is literally the act of ascribing ultimate value to something or someone. It's the act of ascribing ultimate value to something or someone. It's the act, it's that thing that takes over our mind, our will, and emotion. So that thing that just captures us. And that's all we can think about. That's all we care about. Even though we have to do other things, that's what, that's what captures our attention, our imagination, our dreams. That's what, we wor- that's what we worship. So it can be something, it can be someone. That's why money, that's why power, um, influence, prestige, that's why those are so easy to worship because we naturally gravitate to wanting those. Uh, and in the same way, obviously we know that, that Jesus is worth it. Um, God is the only one worthy of our ultimate praise, of our ultimate worship. Um, and that's and simply how we worship, it's not, a, it's not an act that we just come together corporately, that's part of it, but it's what we give ultimate value to, what captures our mind, will, and emotion. Uh, and, and for us here, because we're specifically looking at uh, largely music, uh, if, if we come together as a corporate body, 
and we go through the motions. We come together, we have a 20-minute set, we have a 30-minute service, we have Sunday school, whatever. We go through the motions, we do the duty, we, we do worship. We have the words, but we don't have the music. It's not worship, because it, worship needs to fully engage us. It needs to bring us into an awe and into a wonder of, of who we're worshiping. And so, so worship can't be an act, or only an act. It has to draw us into an awe and wonder of, of God. At the same time, uh, because we can also then fall into the other side, which is where worship beca- simply becomes an emotional experience. Um, and, and in that moment, whether it's at a concert or wh- wherever it might be, in that moment, we feel the presence of God. It's an emotional experience. I mean, that is good. That's from God. But if, if that emotional experience doesn't change the way we live our week, how the things we do on a daily basis, how we see God, if that emotional experience doesn't change every aspect of our week, it's not worship either. Uh, so it can't be duties, it can't be acts, and it can't simply be an emotional experience. Uh, it ha- worship literally has to change everything of who we are. It has to change everything of who we are uh, and who we ascribe ultimate value to. Um, and I want to, before we get into our scripture here in Psalms, and you can open your Bible to Psalms 144. That's the main passage that we're going to be reading, looking at, as well as Psalms 150. Uh, and as you're turning to that, I want it to look at the example, build on what Tim shared last Sunday, building on the example of Jesus. Um, and Matthew 26, 39, and going, it's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And here we see the humanity of Christ. It is so easy for us to always look at Jesus as, the, as Lord, as, as God, the, um, as being fully God. And we often forget the full humanity of Jesus Christ. He experienced the exact same things that we did. And here in the garden, he's praying, take this cup from me if, if it's possible. Like, take it. I don't want to go through this if I don't have to. He was just like you and I. Uh, but we see in the last part of the verse, he says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And this is the, one of the greatest examples of what worship is. Worship, Jesus, here we see Jesus ascribing ultimate value to his relationship with his father and we see jesus ascribing ultimate value to his calling to be our redeemer and he's saying if it's possible in my humanity i don't want to go through this but i'm going i will if that's what it takes for my relationship with you father for my purpose here on earth as as their redeemer and that's that's really the ultimate act of worship is when it fully engages us so that we go out and we willingly give our Lord everything that we have, our mind, will, and emotion, uh, and live in such a way that he's created us to. That, that shows a, world, a broken world the healing power of Jesus. As you're t- uh, trying to think. So the question this morning as we're going to dive into Psalms 144 is, how do we worship ascribe ultimate value 
through song, music, and dance. And before we go into that, uh, it's perfect that Joe, yeah, look up now, that he's sitting in the front row. Last Sunday, we were down, you know, what would a message be after running the Columbus Marathon without a running analogy, right? I know. Uh, Last Sunday, I had the intelligence to only run the half marathon. And so I ran the half marathon. I'm not fast, but when you're doing the half, you come in a little under two hours, you walk back to the hotel, you shower, you eat breakfast, you take the kids to the pool, and then I told my wife, you know what, I'm going to go walk up to where mile 25 is. I see that Joe and Ken and Sean and Kevin and those guys, are, they'll be coming through pretty soon. So I walk up there, got myself a nice position up there, and I saw uh, about five minutes later, I see Joe coming. I mean, this guy looked like a zombie. I mean, he was running strong, a lot stronger than I would have been, but uh, he was zoned out. And I quietly went up to him and said, good job, Joe. And he walked over and said, thank you, brother. And then he went on. That's not what happened. But that's often how we worship. I yelled at him, and he got this look on his face, and he went, and then he kept going. (laughs) And so this morning, um, you know, when we were worshiping here, I think, like, if I would not have a fear of man, I, as well as probably everyone else, would be up here at the altar singing, crying out to God, and worshiping him for his greatness if we wouldn't have a fear of man. And so I just wrote down some questions. What do we miss out in worship when we hold back, when we have a fear of man, uh, when we care about what someone else might think, when God is maybe calling us to come up to the altar and just spend some time in prayer, or, you know, hands raised. Whatever form God is asking us in our spirit to worship, not a manufactured worship, not something like, hey, if I raise my hands, they're thinking I had a really good week this week. Nothing but authentic worship, passionate. And you know what? I don't care what man may think. I'm going to do it. I'm going to worship as the Spirit is leading me to worship. Uh, So... That was my example there with Joe. It was a great response. Hopefully we as a church can really dive into that and become more, you know, we're, we're, it's changing us. And again, Jesus is worth it. Uh, so let's read Psalms 144. That was a long introduction. Hopefully we got something out of it. Uh, and I might not, ha- I'm reading out of the Life Application Bible. You know, it's the, the most battered, tattered Bible that I have at home. So I bring it, so I look better so bless the lord who is my rock he gives me strength for war and skill for battle he is my loving ally and my fortress my tower of safety my deliverer he stands before me as a shield and i take refuge in him he subdues the nations under me O lord what are mortals that you should notice us mere mortals as are mere humans that you should care for us for we are like breath of it, like a breath of air. Our days are like a passing shadow. Bend down the heavens, Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so they will billow smoke. Release your lightning bolts and scatter your enemies. Release your arrows and confuse them. Reach down from heaven and rescue me. Deliver me from deep waters, from the power of my enemies. Their mouths are full of lies. 
They swear to tell the truth, but they lie. I will sing a new song to you, O God. I will sing your praises with a ten-stringed harp, for you grant victory to kings. You are the one who rescued your servant, David. Save me from your fatal sword. Rescue me from the power of my enemies. Their mouths are full of lies. They swear to tell the truth, but they lie. May our sons flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants. May our daughters be like graceful pillars carved to beautify a palace. May our farms be filled with crops of every kind. May the flocks in our fields multiply by the thousands, even tens of thousands. And may our oxen be loaded down with produce. May there be no breached walls, no forced exile, no cries of distress in our squares. Yes, happy are those who have it like this. Happy indeed are those whose God is the Lord. Uh, I don't know how many of you have started reading the book Holy Roar that we passed out last Sunday. If you haven't gotten a copy of that, there are still books back there uh, by our um, uh, mailboxes. Please grab one. Uh, It's sort of building the the basis of our our five-week series on worship. Uh, but in that, uh, in that chapter where Psalms 144, there's a quote in there by Martin Luther that I wanted to, to read here because it really builds out where we want to go with worship, with music. And Martin Luther says, Next to the word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. Beautiful music is the art of the prophets that can calm the agitations of the soul. It is one of the most magnificent and delightful presents God has given us. So he's saying, next to the word of God, there's nothing greater than the word of God to comfort us. But next to that, the beauty of music and the people that God has gift, gifted with music to, to lead us into a, into a time of worship is the greatest treasure that God has given us outside of his word. Um, and it's in this scripture... We see the psalmist crying out to God for victory, uh, for those who want to conquer and oppress them. We see people, he's crying out saying there's people speaking lies about it, like give me victory from, from my enemies that are, uh, the, uh, that are trying to conquer us. Uh, he recognizes that his strength comes from God uh, and God alone. He sees his own smallness next to an almighty God He desires the blessings of his people and that their sons would flourish and their farms would be filled with crops and their produce and and then he longs for safety. They're like us. In the the psalmist and the children of Israel, what they long for is exactly what we long for as humans. Um, And in that, in verse 9, he says, in spite of all this, I will sing a new song to you, O God. I will sing your praises with a ten-stringed harp. I will sing a new song. Every one of us has had things happen in the past that have really hurt us. Every one of us have had good weeks. We've had bad weeks. We've had things that have really stressed us out, worn us out, made us question if there's a loving God made us question if there's a purpose to this. Um, But ultimately, the psalmist is saying the same thing, and he's saying, I'm going to sing a new song. And I think we often forget that maybe the ultimate way to handle the difficult things in life is worship. 
It's not about manufacturing something. It's not about going through, you know, it's not about um, even just saying a prayer and thinking like, oh God, why didn't you come through? In, in that scripture I read from Jesus, sometime, or even in here where he's, the psalmist is crying out for victory over his enemies, God, God may choose to give us victory. He may choose to give us exactly what our heart desires, but he may not. At the same time, we are being called to worship through the difficult times, through the good times. Whether God changes it to how we want it or not, we're called to worship. And in that worship, it's that power that allowed the martyrs to cry out and say, you know, I, re- I regret that I only have one life to give or that allowed them to, as they're burning at the stake, to worship, to praise God. It's, it's, it's that mindset that, that allowed them, uh, it's their passion to see God as the ultimate thing to ascribe to, or uh, uh, to worship. And in that, no matter whether God delivered them from that stake, burning stake or not, we worship. And in that worship, uh, Wherever we're at, we're going to find victory. We're going to, whether it looks like we wanted, how, how we wanted it or not, we worship. Um, and in verse 9, it also, yeah, I will sing a new song. I, Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon has some really good content on this, and I just paraphrased some of them. There's five parts here, and I just paraphrased them, and I just want to briefly read over them because I thought they were so, so powerful for this chapter, but in particular, verse 9. Spurgeon says, The psalmist remembered that he had trodden some of the same ground before. Uh, and, and, and Spurgeon, is, what, he, what he's saying is, a lot of what he wrote in this chapter has been written in psalms before. But in verse 9, he says, it's a new song. And so he's saying, but he felt his mind move to fresh thought. And the Holy Spirit used this mood for his own high purposes. And fired with fresh enthusiasm, the psalmist, he says, my gratitude shall make a new channel for itself. And that's what we had looked at earlier. When our worship captures everything about the greatness of God, it transforms our weak. And that's what Spurgeon is saying. It creates a channel. Our worship creates a channel of of how we engage the world. He says, I will sing as others have done, but it will be a new song such as no others have sung before. That song shall be altogether for my God. I will extol none but the Lord from whom my deliverance has come. David intended to tune his best instruments as well as use the best vocal music. The best is all too poor for so great a God, and therefore we must not fall short of our utmost. So it's not, you know, maybe... I've learned to sing good enough that I know that um, I'm sort of carrying a melody. But you know what? That's not what God is... You know, if, if you've been given the gift of worship, of, of sorry, of singing on tune, and, and my, you better give that your utmost. You better give that your best. And if you haven't been given that gift, that's okay. God's saying, I care about my relationship with you. I gave you that. You just give it to me with everything that you've got. Um, that's what I'm asking from you. And so if occasionally you clap off tune, that's okay. And, you know, if you, whatever, um, give, your, give your best. 
wherever you're at. Uh, and and I, I thought Spurgeon's quotes, like he really brought out uh, that song, uh, I will sing as others have done, but it will be a new song, such as no others have ever sung. And that's exciting to know that our God cares so deeply about our relationship with him and, our, and that, that he's giving us the opportunity to sing a new song to him that's altogether ours to him and the deliverance he's given us. Our worship is unique to our Father from us, uh, and he longs for that. We worship with reckless abandon, with no fear of man, of what, they, of what man may think. We recognize who we are next to so great a God and long for a deep communion with him. Uh, so, we worship through psalm, music, and dance because we ascribe ultimate value to him. Uh, turn, you can turn to Psalms 150. We're going to use that for our conclusion. Uh, hopefully, you started picking up a bit that uh, how in the grander scheme of worship our music, our dance... I'm not sure how we're going to dance. I don't know, you know, maybe just in the private, you know, in your house where you feel comfortable to let loose and just go for it. And maybe eventually you'll get so good at it that you'll bring it here. And I would love to... You know, we'll go buy some of those worship flags. I'm not sure what, but you know, you bring that, but you can, uh, so I'm not sure how the dance will translate, but I'm excited to, if someone feels called by the Spirit to bring it, but how the the singing, the instruments, the dance, what God is calling us and how we bring that together corporately and individually in worship uh, and inscribing ultimate value, uh, uh, ultimate worth to him. So let's read Psalms 150. And then we'll close. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his heavenly dwelling. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequal greatness. Praise him with a blast of trumpet. Praise him with the, I don't know how to pronounce, lyre, lyre, and harp. Uh, I'm sure someone else did. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud, clanging cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Very clearly, God desires a full band with drums and everything. So, just side hobby note. Yes, thank you. Praise the Lord. But uh, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Um, may we corporately, as individuals, ascribe ultimate worth to Jesus Christ in our worship. He alone is worth it. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. God, this morning as we consider what worship is, God, may we as a body, a community of believers, as individuals, uh, long only for an intimacy with you, God, where we ascribe ultimate value to you and that our relationship with you would control every part of us, our mind, our will, our emotion, everything that we dream about, everything that we desire, uh, so that as we go out throughout our week, God, that we can be just a witness that radiates your love, but God, that no matter what circumstances that come, even when they do bring us down, that we know that we can that we can worship you and that your, uh, 
you're our ultimate uh, thing that we value, worship, long for. And uh, no matter if things happen the way we want them or not, God, that, that our relationship with you deepens and that the world can see that and that we as a church might be known by our, by our worship to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.